I'm Emily Jacobs, and I've never listened to None Taken. He did that while he was driving, by the way, which is not recommended. Yeah. You can do a lot of things while you're driving. <laughs> like, did you hear the end just... of last of uh, this week's Wednesday show, Alan? I don't right, think right. I'm arguing. <laughs> we were talking, and I was like, I was like, dude, I tried to get this logo. It's fucking not working. He's like, dude, just send it to me on Discord. I'll do it right now. And I was like, okay. Okay, so I'm downloading Discord now so that we can do our Friday show. Watch are we going to actually post anything from that, or are we just going to have fun with listening? When I was installing it on my phone yesterday, um, yeah. getting it all set up, I went and logged in like on the website first because I was afraid to follow the link from the email to just immediately join in because I feel like I already had a... Uh, Discord account? Yeah. But... I feel like if I did, it was, um, I feel like it was a place to go to find like the niche entertainment that I like. Um, <laughs> and I was afraid that it was going to default to some account that I haven't looked at since like, you know, two oh, years God. ago or something. And I was like, why really, are we not recording this? Really? Hor- Y'all let me in this damn house. Should we hit record? Yeah. One, two, three. All right. You ready? I am ready. Are you recording? Yes. <laughs> right, you want to start a show? Let's start a show. That podcast is filling your head with garbage. Nice. No offense taken there. Well, it sounds like none taken. Ways I just ain't got the means. Welcome to the Friday Headlines Roundup Edition of None Taken. Where every week my good friend Alan wrangles up headlines and I have to remind him, no, we have an interview this week, Alan. This is an interview episode of None Taken. Because <laughs> I listen to 13 hours of podcasts and Alan watches three hours of cable news, so you don't have to. We're your antidote to mainstream media. And this week, we have an interview for ye. And it's uh, it's uh, it's an insider. It's a media insider, Alan. We've got a we've got an interview with the weekend editor of the of uh, the Washington Examiner, formerly worked at yes. the New York Post and Fox News. Um, Emily Jacobs. It's, uh, it's we just finished the interview and now we're doing the intro. The listeners didn't have to know that, but I set it over the music, so it's gonna stay in the show. <laughs> I don't have my Friday button. I can't find my soundboard. Does it make you sad? I can play this. Isn't that something? Ah, I did the music. Ah, oh, damn it. Oh, is that something? Uh, yeah, well. Uh, oh, how about that? that? You want me to hit this one? You, want me to, I, I, you know I want to hit the other one, right? <laughs> hit it, hit it, hit it. didn't ever burn. Atlanta was a false flag operation. And Abraham Lincoln <laughs> was a crisis actor. All right, man. Well, uh, I hit all my buttons. Uh, this was a good interview, and I, 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 I see no need for any further ado or banter. No, that was a... Really great interview. Yeah, you guys are going to love this. Um, Good takes on inside of what it's like to be in a newsroom in um, editorial decisions and uh, a lot of inside inside politics stuff. So very fun. All of those things. Yes, all of those and more on this week's episode of the None Taken Interview. That almost sounded professional. I made the button. 
different. This, no, this one's it's different. Funny. This one has these two hinges on the side so that it can fold all the way back flat. Hey, Emily's here yes. with her dog. Yes. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hey, I, Emily. I, this is my dog, Prosciutto. She's a bit spoiled, so she probably that you're some way here to see her. <laughs> we are. We, you know what, Prosciutto? We are here to see you. Wow. She's hella cute. Yeah. I, you know, when you tell me your dog's name is Prosciutto, I'm assuming the spoiled part. Like, I don't, that's so, uh, yeah. super, superfluous. Am I using superfluous right now? Yeah. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Emily Jacobs. Emily is at the, she is the weekend editor at the Washington Examiner. Examiner. And formerly at the New York Post and at, uh, at Fox News. Correct. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, um, and we are excited to have you on here. You could, if you would like to see uh, her more recently, she has been melting down in her Instagram stories over the uh, yeah. Kevin McCarthy <laughs> house fiasco. Uh, I think there's been more than one post about how this should just eliminate the house, have the Senate decide everything, uh, unicameral uh, legislative branch. Um, like, let's dive right into it. Uh, can you make an argument for what? I, and I don't think this is your position. I'm just curious. Uh, can you make an argument that this is somehow good and how it should be that they're not just voting lockstep and that they're challenging leadership? Do you, would you even? Know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because it's the people's house. The Senate is the elitist, like cooling mechanism. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, if this were happening in the Senate. I think my Instagram stories would be way worse. Like, I think they would be like constant. So I don't tweet just on principle. I just, after what happened at the post, it became this weird thing. I became super upset and I deleted all of my tweets. I still have it. My DMs are open for tips and I just don't participate. I'm Whoa. seeing how it goes with Elon. Yeah. Well, we, we have to get to that definitely. Yeah, Alan's like, I have topic for... No, but so because of that, I I have been really aggressive in my Instagram story posts because I'm not tweeting. <laughs> it's, your, it's your outlet yeah. at this point. Yeah. Okay. And Got like it. other journalists know that don't don't message her on Twitter. <laughs> it's going to take her like a day and a half to yeah. get back to you. Right. I, you know, I never really also. thought about it that way, but that is the way that's the way I treat my Instagram stories. It's it's things that I would have put into a tweet, just formatted into a, a picture form. And I treat other people's Instagram stories the same way I probably would Twitter. How I go there? I don't I don't spend a lot of time in Twitter, so nothing really changed for me too much. Well, it just seems Twitter is disconnected from reality. Yes. Mm-hmm. On a very severe level. And it's just so emotionally taxing yeah. to spend any time there and it's in no way productive to actually furthering the public conversation or right. anything about our divides so i feel well, obligated to have it but i just don't well, let's get Sorry. back to the, let's get back to the mccarthy thing though so yes. he's, he's now lost 11 votes to become speaker of the house uh yeah. by by varying numbers i think it's gotten worse as it's progressed i i what yes. are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? I haven't seen your stories, so I, I what, what are you thinking right now? So, I just, I think the longer this goes on, it becomes less and less possible for McCarthy to pull this off. Yeah. Because you have now presented yourself as someone who had a two-month lame duck session to negotiate <laughs> with these people and make them literally all of the offers that you're making them now. 
and except now it's in front of the entire country. So everyone's got a say on it. And as that happens and people recognize how many concessions he's making to this very small population of members who do not represent the moderate coalition that won him the house, even by a small margin, Mm -hmm. he's, he's nearing a situation in my opinion, where that group of moderates is going to say, if Matt Gates has an armed, an armed services committee, a subcommittee gavel, meaning that he would chair a major subcommittee, right. or if, you know, uh, Andy Biggs is the exception, uh-huh. but if, if something that intense were to happen, you're not going to get those moderate votes now that the whole country has seen what you're giving up. So he's very much on the verge of losing some of his coalition of 200. And if he gives up a lot more, that's what's going to happen. There's not going to be a Democrat speaker at the end of this. There's going to be a Republican. I just continue to struggle to see how that Republican is McCarthy at this point. Yeah. I also sort of struggle how to see how it's Scalise. Everyone keeps bringing up yeah. Steve Scalise and saying, oh, well, he was shot and matters. it was by a Democrat. And that's, I don't know how that's relevant to governing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, just, just pair him you know, up against Gabby Giffords, I guess, right? Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't relate to, but he does have 200 votes. So, like, that's one thing that I feel like that kind of dawned on me this afternoon. It's like he doesn't have 218, but he has 200 consistently. He has 200 consistently for now. (laughs) But a lot of these, there's there's supposedly a phone call tomorrow morning before that tensions are so high right now that they're not going to meet in person. They're only going to talk by phone tomorrow morning. So there's no way they're going to reach a solution by noon when the house reconvenes so eventually this becomes someone who's not a part of leadership but is a prominent member of the party that is palatable to both sides that's why i brought up jim banks in my stories because he tries to frame himself as like a more a a less religious Mike Pence, okay. but like, okay. it, yeah. and he has Mike Pence's old seat and his old uh, job. Uh huh. So I could, I, I, I could just, see that being really palatable for a lot of the country. Like, why, why aren't they looking for candidates like this? Like, just I don't understand. Nobody likes Kevin McCarthy. We have, we've had a clip on. Yeah. We have a little outro thing on the end of our show where it's like I don't know, ten little sound clips jammed together, and one of them is, is Kevin McCarthy a moron? And if so, why? When uh, uh, Nancy got asked that, it's like nobody likes this guy. He's like Ted Cruz but skinny. But like you, you're like, no, let's just stick with this. We know it's going to be a problem. In fact, you're reminding me how he had two months to resolve this and he didn't do anything. It's just like how nothing ever gets passed in the House. Like, they don't do floor votes throughout the year. They wait until there's this one really big thing that everything's got to get done, so they lump a bunch of shit in there. They're doing that with their careers, though. Like, I get it when it's like, oh. (sighs) But that's what makes this such a train wreck that I can't look away. And all I can do is, like, go crazy in my stories because (laughs) I, it's the most incredible thing. And it's also 
in a way, not fully surprising because no. there's not competent leadership on the right in the House. There is super competent leadership in Mitch McConnell in the Senate. Yeah. I get it. I, I understand why he has his detractors. But no one his his job is to be a robot and make sure that the Republicans stay in power simply for the fact that they stay in power. Right. And he does that great. He's the, just right. like Nancy, plus the uh, fundraising fundraising. Um, so <laughs> Trump, you said somebody significant in the party. It doesn't have to be someone who's seated in, in the House, as we all saw, because Matt Gates suggested Trump. Um, why not Justin Amash? And or and and allow me to piggyback into that. Someone like Justin Amash could be the closest thing we get to a unity ticket. And they that's someone, I mean, my whole thing about how we don't do any floor votes, that's not me. That's Justin Amash's complaint. I just repeat that all the fucking time on my podcast. Like, so if he was the Speaker of the House, we would actually start getting shit done. But, and everyone in that room knows that. If I know that hosting none taken podcast, that everyone whose job it is to do this knows, well, we might actually get some stuff done. We probably would like that. A better constituents would like that. What What is the incentive impeding that? Just... Party politics, party politics. And and this is going to sound really elitist or mean, but (laughs) being in the House isn't that special. You're one of 435. There are way more exclusive clubs in this country. (laughs) It's just not that big of a deal. And now because the House is so closely divided and every vote counts, I think we're in a situation where it's never mattered. Because ah, you're one of 435 or you're one of 200 and something and the speaker can afford to lose your vote. Or for the Democrats case with this last Congress, Pelosi had a ton of issues with the Progressive Caucus, but they knew when to fall in line and they behaved accordingly. Like even on this last omnibus, AOC didn't vote for the Ukraine funding and uh, Rashida Tlaib voted present. But they were permitted Nothing to do that right. by party leadership. Party leadership was well aware that those votes were going to be those votes and they could afford to lose them. Isn't it funny? Isn't, isn't it? the other problem isn't the other problem though that the sort of the wing of the Republican Party that's preventing McCarthy from taking the speakership is is sort of like they don't really care about governing. They're just obstructionists, generally speaking. Like they it doesn't matter. I mean Going through that list of 20, how many of them actively don't believe the federal government should exist? Right. Exactly. That's my point. <laughs> right. That is their whole thing, yeah. that we want to abolish the IRS and right. we want to... Ted Cruz ran on that in 2016 and everyone forgets it. He came in thinking, I'm going to be the crazy candidate and everyone's going to be talking about me. The guy from the Senate who wants to abolish the IRS... And no one would talk about him because he wasn't. Nobody Trump likes him. Trump yeah. took over everything. Yeah. So, like, it, not wanting there to be a powerful House of Representatives is just not surprising for a large portion of these people. Even, but there's also in the 200 that are backing McCarthy, a number of people who also feel that way want to have very little or very very small federal government but they're they've been promised something that got them on board or they want marjorie taylor green was on board sitting next to john catco who is the retiring new york republican who voted to impeach he's leaving because he didn't want to get primaried 
He decided it wasn't worth it. And here they were presenting Kevin McCarthy together Mm -hmm. because she was pulled on board. So there are people in his conference right now who also feel that way. They just made better deals with Kevin. Yeah. How long do you see this going? Like, I mean, we're what, yeah, three days in at this I've been point, so worried about this. It... Like, my biggest fear was that they'd resolve it today and we'd have half of a show to not talk about. I was like, come on, just make it through <laughs> oh, Thursday. No. <laughs> no, we, I, I think we've got, this is for sure going to next week. The record's 133. Um, the record's 133 votes. Yeah. I don't know if we get to 133 because I don't, know at what point we stop voting and actually start considering other candidates besides Kevin, which is just going to take time on its own. And people will be able to tell without going to a vote because they can do it internally. They can do a quick conference vote um, and see if that person has the potential to make it. How are they not just nominating someone else for funsies? Like, I mean, they are. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, at the beginning, like, at the beginning, like they've only held votes on McCarthy, right? Right. Okay. But there, at some point, a lot of even the like always Kevin coalition who are fully bought by McCarthy, they're going to be committee chairs. They're right. going to have very big jobs right. in the next Congress. Mm. Even they are privately saying to places as major as Fox News, uh, I don't know how much, how many more votes we can go or how many more rounds we can go without this getting yeah. a little too embarrassing. Yeah. So I can't imagine that at a certain point they just adjourn and they don't come back until the issue is solved. So Trump, the, my, the my Kevin coalition is crumbling is what you're nah, saying. So my Trump, so Trump yeah. called him well, so my Kevin. So there's multiple Kevin coalition. Here's uh-huh. the problem. Kevin has, Kevin has like five different coalitions maybe maybe fewer hold so he's like he's like he's got the always kevin okay he's got the like i the people who have been friends with him for over a decade and whose their wives know each other uh-huh. and are invested in kevin winning because then they will personally gain uh-huh. that's probably a group of 15 or so i don't follow him <laughs> closely enough to keep to tell you exact numbers, but he then has a coalition of 40 to 60 who are very much willing to vote for someone else, but don't want to vote for a Paul Gosar yeah. or Matt Gates. Yeah. So they're waiting okay. and they just want to see what happens. So he has a lot of people he could lose who are just staying silent right now because they, they don't know what to do. There's no, real historical precedents. They're not going to try and see what lawmakers did in 1855. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. not what their vibe is. Right. Like there's definitely a lot of people drinking right now. <laughs> okay. Well, as a, as a lifelong California native, I am not surprised that a guy representing Bakersfield is fucking this up. I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and okay. Speaking of him being inept and uh, Trump called him my Kevin, does any do, do you guys think of the minions character Kevin? I haven't seen anyone do this. There's literally the tall, like clumsy character in Minions is the Kevin minion. I mean, they're all minions. They're all clumsy, but like, like it's a thing to call someone a Kevin for that reason. I thought is that just like in my small friends group that I do that. I thought I thought calling someone a Kevin was you kind must of have, 
you must have met a couple really bad Kevin, yeah, yeah. like in your friend group. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've Kevin. never heard that. Okay. I'm not saying it's not yeah. a thing, but I. Those guys I, that dress up in McCarthy, suits and go to the Minions releases, they probably call people a Kevin. They call people Kevin, yeah. <laughs> okay. Definitely. Well, I will say Kevin, maybe Kevin McCarthy was a part of that becoming a trend <laughs> in your world because he has been known in DC as kind of a. It, yeah. I don't want to say a dumb guy. Yeah. But yeah, kind of a works. dumb guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's just yeah. he's gotten very fortunate. Sort of he's very fortunate. Around. Yeah. Right. He's he's smart enough to recognize what political trends are happening right in front of him and <laughs> when to hop on to those trends. How to please his but boss like, or the guy above him. Right. But to be but in charge, you have to have built coalitions right. over your decades in Congress. And I, I thought it was interesting. He did a press conference at 8.40 p.m. Eastern. So like just <laughs> an hour before oh, we met up, we met to do this. And he was trying to reassure all of these journalists who are very, very adamant that his path is narrowing <laughs> and explaining this to him and asking him to answer for it. And he's saying it's not a big deal for me to allow i wrote it down okay on. he wrote oh he said i i it really bothered me uh, <laughs> well, I, I get it's the not quote. a big deal that um he was asked pelosi eliminated this rule on something called a motion to vacate the chair it's a rule that um allows you to eliminate the speaker or okay pr- proceed to a vote to eliminate the speaker okay and she got rid of it because John Boehner had just been pushed out by the House Freedom Caucus. I was just about to bring this up, which was Kevin McCarthy and like a bunch of other people, correct? Yeah. 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 Yes. And Eric Cantor and, and Paul Cantor, Ryan. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, Nancy Pelosi goes, "Yeah, that's not going to be happening to me. Yeah. I don't really care about approval rating, right? Because whatever. Yeah. So I'll keep getting people to write checks. About well, they they got rid of Boehner." Uh, what what makes you think they wouldn't get rid of you? And he goes, "Oh, that's nonsense. Um, she got rid of it. She she got rid of it for different reasons." And then he just mutters a bunch, <laughs> and like I couldn't really make out what he was saying that on the video. Right. Yeah. And it was just like just a dumb Kevin. I, you don't yeah. you don't have this. Like you you don't have a a, a path forward. And so at this point. Because there's no clear alternative and Scalise is just this weird side object that's distracting people, we're probably going to spend the next like week or so at least without a speaker. Wow. Wow. Democrats, though, are going to be put in a sort of weird position that I they haven't really recognized yet. I was talking to the uh, Dear White Staffers guy uh, just yesterday and it is a growing problem that staffers are about to not get paid. They're about to lose their health insurance. They're about to lose all of their student loan payment program benefits. They're about to lose a lot of things that Democrats advertise is very important. And if Democrats don't take care of their own and let them go. They can't point at Republicans and say it's their fault when their staffers can't get paid. It won't matter at that point. Right. right. So Wait, this is a growing problem. How? And if it doesn't get resolved by if they if it's not resolved by, I want to say end of week, but it could be early next week, 
that is when their health care is cut off. Why? I don't understand. Because there's no speaker um, or because they're not because, actively in. Because the house is not in session. Right. Oh they God. can't actually be and, in session until there's a speaker. But that, 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 right. uh, that, so, that office clerk lady's there. That librarian. Yeah, she's not going to get health care. Yeah. She's yeah. going to show up to work and not get health care. Even like the new members of Congress haven't been sworn in yet because there's no speaker. Like, oh, wait, are you saying George yeah. Santos isn't a uh, member of oh, Congress? Oh, we're going to get to him okay. later. All right, yes. all right, all right. Yeah. Okay, can, can we shift gears a little bit? Yes. Okay, let's. so um, Emily held out on us until t- fucking day, Alan. Today, she's like, oh, <laughs> you today? can ask me the Fox News question if you want, but I was at the New York Post when Hunter Biden's laptop story broke. And I was like, all right, just why are we even going to talk about the house and all this other nonsense that we opened up with? Okay, let me set up this question. Allow me, please. So if you listen to the right, it's a physical laptop and it's never been adulterated. Odd choice of words. If you listen to the left, it's a it's it's just a hard drive. It might even be a thumb drive. And it's mostly been loaded in Ukraine by Rudy and Igor personally. And if and, and like the center won't even entertain that this is a relevant part of the fucking story. So like I I do a, a, I'm I'm not I'm not a newsman. I'm not a news expert. I'm just a fan of the news, and I like to come on here and talk about it with my friend with my buddy Alan. Uh, but. I pay attention to the news and I can't get a straight fucking answer on this. I've all, all I've ever wanted to do is ask somebody with direct knowledge on the subject. Is there a fucking laptop or did Steve Bannon just bring in a hard drive and point to some blind computer repairman and say, there's your credible witness. Like, go ahead. Time to impeach. (laughs) So what's the, what's the story? So in September of 2020, Steve Bannon went to my direct boss, Emma Jo Morris. She was the deputy um politics editor but um she really ran our coverage and oversaw it as kind of a de facto leader of the team um she steve bannon contacted her she had only really known his producer it wasn't someone that she was close with in any way but he he told her he had hunter's laptop he then it like a month passed and he could not produce said laptop. He only delivered her a hard drive. Okay. She was then in touch with Rudy Giuliani, um, who was given the laptop, an actual physical copy of the laptop, same hard drive copied. Steve Bannon had the copied version of it. And he, my understanding is he gave her the laptop. I, my, I have never seen the laptop in person. (laughs) The laptop was reviewed by either to answer your question. Yes, there is a laptop. It's not just a hard drive. Okay. Okay. So, and it's okay. No, go ahead. Alan. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, all right. So following the release of that story in the New York post, Twitter blocked the ability to share that story. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I take it. You have some strong uh, thoughts on, on, on that decision. It, what really, angered me about it was the severity of the block because it wasn't just that um facebook just limited the spread of yeah yeah the algorithm essentially yeah Yeah. if you went to newyorkpost.com and clicked the link and pasted it in you were blocked from tweeting you were blocked from even posting the link didn't it's not just like the link won't show up It, it was very severe. And then we had two days. We, we had a couple of covers because Emma Jo went through the laptop after someone either hired from the post or News Corp Global Security because News Corp is 
the parent company and they have a lot of their own security teams and things that are qualified to handle some of that investigation. Um, So when the uh, story was posted, it was, it was this very severe ban and we had multiple stories come out over the course of a couple days and Twitter kept coming back to the New York Post and saying, okay, if you keep going with this, we're going to block your account. Right. And it was right. very direct. The instructions were very clear. And from my perspective, it was, it, I think it's what red pilled me uh-huh. in certain ways. It, <laughs> a lot of it people. was my big moment because I, what I witnessed was there are lots of, this is a New York City paper that has hired a lot of people from the New York Daily News that has hired a lot of people from the New York Times and other places that are New York-based institutions that also were part of the editors' meetings where they were going over this material. These are not right-wing shills. I get it. The New York Post is a very is a right-wing outlet, and they exist. There's left-wing outlets. Who really cares? But yeah, we don't. That's one of the things we actually talk just, about a lot on the show is like bias isn't that important as long as you have a good, right. uh, uh, damn it, what, uh, critical thinking skills. It's just read it. Interpret, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. That that means nothing. Also, just don't only read right. one or one two right. outlets yeah. and right. call it a day right. and think you're informed. Right. So for me, what I had witnessed was people who were doing really serious local reporting, Mm -hmm. taking a look at her work. Yes, there were, uh, the New York times reported on this and it is true. Um, it's very, it's, I'm pretty sure public at this point. I, I don't think I'm breaking any news here. Um, but one of the people, Emma Jo is an editor. She's not as much of a writer and she wasn't writing all the time. She's not a bad writer, but because of that, the content was given to one of the longtime writers and that writer said, I don't want my name on it. I was was going to ask about that. So so that's used by people to say that it's not uh, a legitimate story. It's, it's not really fair because he, he just didn't want to get involved. He's not as political of a reporter. There is another girl whose name was put on the story. Um, who, this is the other problem. I don't know why this happened. The New York Post does very toxic workplace things sometimes, oh. and it's not, <laughs> it's just part of, I think, tabloid culture yeah, right. generally. Um, they put her name on it as well because I think they wanted to have it be that, oh, we had one of our writers yeah. write it. Mm-hmm. But, and it, it created issues around the credibility of the story. That girl, I know her quite well. She was on vacation at the time, and oh, wow. her so, phone was all of a sudden blowing oh, no. up. So were these she people contributing no to the story? She had no idea what was going on. She's like the woman yeah. that landed the plane after the tweet. No, that's unrelated. But uh, yeah. was this no. – so were, were they people that had contributed towards the story, or did they I – want, no. I wanted to be clear. Did, did they just put a name down? Yeah, they just put a name down. Wow. That's not cool. Because they didn't, they wanted it to be that it was written by an editor and a reporter. I see. They needed a face to the story. Okay. And that yeah. So that girl has never written a wonderful reporter. <laughs> She's covered, yeah. she, she covers a lot of crime, murders, things that are, she does great work, but not in the politics world. Yeah. And all of a sudden, her name was on wow. the Hunter Biden stories. And the craziest story. Of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I think one of their their mistakes was 
it should have just been Emma Joe's name yeah. because why can't why can't it just right. be her name if someone goes throat it and she, it, it's her information it's her scoop mm-hmm. she got it from two separate sources yeah. she went through different investigative measures and had a lot of different people working with her who were very serious in journalism to make this story happen and I I thought that if they hadn't had that whole author situation it'd be a lot more credible it just it would it it would be a lot more credible and it wouldn't have given anyone an excuse to complain to the New York Times the right, next day right 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 I, so we we know now that the intelligence communities had reached out to these various social media companies and said hey be on the lookout there may be some disinformation coming from Russia about Hunter Biden uh, what are your thoughts on that and how that impacted Twitter's decision and other social media's decisions in this situation? I mean, I can totally understand a mm-hmm. fear. It's a very high pressure situation that you're in. It's sure. a presidential election and there's a pandemic and people feel really scared and uptight. And it's and coming off the heels of 2016. Right. And so at the same time, I, I think that there needs to be nuance in how you approach sensitive issues. And there wasn't any nuance in how Twitter approached any of this. They just made very quick decisions, didn't have any willingness to walk those decisions back for months Mm -hmm. and genuinely kept a major story during the last month of a super intense election. Right disappear from a lot of people's view there i've seen multiple polls that came out in the months after the 2020 election where they have a group of democrats and republicans and they ask who's heard of all of these stories just to talk about how people are exposed to only what's in their little bubble but you had 36 to 45 percent of people saying i have no idea what this hunter biden story is that you're talking about you have large swaths of people going yeah isn't it that he had a drug problem right no the the only files we published were specifically related to foreign business dealings that could have ties to his dad the big there guy. were we yes we did other frivolous reporting i don't want to call it frivolous <laughs> some, uh, some more juicy stuff his yeah on his other escapades, his other <laughs> extracurricular activities. Yeah. Yeah. We'll call but it that. That's not what this was. And it deserved to be treated as something serious. And it also discredited the term Russian disinformation <sighs> because there actually is an influx of Russian disinformation all the time that we face. We face it also from China. There's a lot of foreign actors working to influence us and sometimes they're successful and if we're not more deliberative about assessing where is this information coming from and questioning oh maybe let's let the intelligence community itself speak out maybe or if i don't know if we want to let them be political and start (laughs) commenting on what's real and not probably not Probably not. Thanks, but, Comey. Uh, we we as Americans do need to be more thoughtful about the way that Russian disinformation as a term was used in that moment. I it just shocked me, and yeah. it made me question everything. It was my red pill moment where I suddenly 
Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty lazy. Um, you know, it was like, well, this is what we said last time, and here it is. This must be, you know, and it, um, you know, if you're largely apolitical and you don't have time to, you know, really pay attention critically to the news, it was a plausible line, you know, and they kind of got away with it. Um, when you when they talk about, uh, so you talk about like the the big story that kind of got lost in all of the salacious details. Um, that the line that jumps out for the people that pay attention is the 10% for the big guy, right? Right. So was that an email that Hunter, was that something Hunter had said, or was that that business partner of his saying that Hunter told him that is, I don't remember off the top of my head. I I think so. I do want to say that it was Hunter, but I don't want you to find no, no, don't don't worry. Not Not trying to get any kind of a gotcha or anything like that. You think so? Okay. I think it was because, because again, like I, I listen to a lot of different news sources. That's podcasts, a lot of different podcasts and the more left leaning ones are always like, Oh, well it wasn't even Hunter that said that. And you know, and there was never a laptop. I want to go back to that. I started with that for a reason. And um, so when there was a laptop, so, so it was, a month or so later um so starting in september so in into october ish and then when you say that you're that the news corp has their security team i assume that means that's when they like forensically inspected the laptop to see if it had been altered yeah what i what i just don't know is if that was done internally or if they hired someone outside of news corp i was just noting that i know that news corp has News Corp is capable of a lot of things. Yeah. So sure. they, they've sure. got all sorts of teams to handle all sorts of issues that you never thought you would need to have <laughs> as an issue for a company. So yeah. for them, they they could technically probably do it themselves, but I just okay. all right. don't know. So I think that people but are after more... that the the findings of the laptop or of the forensic stuff alongside all of Emma Jo's reporting on what she found inside the laptop relating to documents that could be linked to Joe Biden. Um, All of that was given to three people who made the final decision with, I'm assuming someone from News Corp's permission that uh, I just, I'm saying that because I can't imagine that Rupert Murdoch read the paper that next day and was like, Oh, get out of town. What a yeah. great story. You guys. Great job. I That's probably not how that went down. Yeah. You know, I imagine him getting some sort of heads up that a decision was made at least, but that the three people were Cole Allen, the, um, Rupert's person who was currently running the post. I mm-hmm. just some sort of senior advisor title. Um, and then Michelle Gothelf, who is the di- digital editor in chief, and Steve Lynch, the uh, print editor in chief, and then they made a final decision that it was a go. And then I'm assuming told the higher ups. So, Got in it. the um, in the spirit of the recently passed Barbara Walters, I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to try to make you cry. I'm going the other direction. Uh, allow me. I mean, I, I mean, no offense. The show's called Untaken for a reason. So I would, I would imagine a, a, a well-worded argument somewhere along the lines of an editor wrote this story. It could have been an altered laptop in between the time the hard drive was brought, and that that could have been added. Oh, for sure. And that if the, a security firm investigated it, obviously that firm was hired by News Corp, and it would be a story that they would want. I don't think you need to defend News Corp, 
But what would one that would defend News Corp? What would they say about that? Like, what? How would you respond to that? Because I, I know, I know, we'll have listeners will be like, what? What about this? And I'll be like, oh, I should ask for that. Well, the laptop at that point, I left out two major points. The laptop had already was already in the custody of the FBI. Right. A separate laptop was taken in, into custody by the FBI. So, um, a separate laptop. If this was a, or sorry, the the laptop uh-huh. was taken into custody. So maybe the one that um, that Emma Jo was given was I, I see a laptop just with the hard drive put on. Okay. So maybe it could be that the, my understanding is the laptop was given to the FBI by the laptop repairman. Yeah, the blind guy. Um, and then once the first impeachment started in 2019, he thought that was going to be referenced and it wasn't. And he realized that the FBI had not given the laptop to Congress during the investigation. Okay. So he then decided, okay, I don't think I can trust anyone. I'm, I I don't know why. He decided then I'm going to trust Rudy Giuliani, but that was his that was his choice. <laughs> you know, so he went to Rudy. There so he went to Rudy's he had, lawyer. He had made copies or mirrors of the original. And yeah, that's what was passed on. Right. Okay. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. Um, there is a Four Seasons, not landscaping place, but something along the lines. Uh, on my way home, <laughs> next time I see it, Alan, I'll send you a picture. Uh, yeah. What a time to be alive. Hey, thanks for so much for that. We still have a couple more questions. Can we have, do you have a little bit more time? That was just a lot of fun yeah. getting into the laptop story. Can I say one more thing? Oh, please. Before we move on, you said the word nuance in one of your responses earlier. That's like one of our favorite words on Untaken. So you're, okay. you're doing very well. You, you also said one <laughs> instead of one as in they won. That's the, the way election, I say it. And that's the way he says it. And I don't like it when he does that. <laughs> I just, I don't know if you saw me light up for no reason while you were talking and distract you. That was why. Um, I have a, I have a Fox News question and Alan has some Twitter questions. Uh, so I only have one Fox News question and uh, same thing as the laptop. I'd be kicking myself if I didn't ask. Um, so when I used to go to gyms, when those were a thing, I would be like on the treadmill or the elliptical or something and they have multiple TVs set up and they want everybody happy. So there was Fox News and CNN in there. The now I understand you wrote the ticker or the crawl for Fox. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. guessing you don't have any control over this, but I bet you, that being your niche that you've noticed this. When both those screens are on, the CNN ticker moves faster. Is that something that Fox is saying about their audience? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. So I don't think I've ever actually paid that much. Attention if I didn't to the have both screens on at the same time, I wouldn't have noticed it. But I was like, yeah, you know, I had nothing to do for 30 minutes. I was like, look at that. Wow. Bloomberg for a time had way too fast of a ticker. But then they started doing their like their side sidebar bar yeah. thing. That's yeah. way better. Um, when I was leaving the ticker, they were starting to phase it out mm. of different shows because they mm. thought it was too distracting on screen. Yeah. I can't answer about the speed. Okay. It's. I like your theory. I like where <laughs> you're going with it. I but I, I can't say definitively that there is a reason sure. for and And I, I, I'm picking on the right right now, but of the me and Alan as the hosts, I would be the more conservative, I guess, of the two of us. Is that correct, Alan? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. politically independent, formerly a uh, libertarian, and although never registered. Uh, and Alan is a <laughs> California elitist, I think is what they call it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It? Okay. That's what in a way, registration that's, that's very libertarian of you to have never even registered. <laughs> I know. It really is. Like, no, <laughs> I don't. 
It really is. Not you can't get my government, government name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to fucking register to, uh, I have to get like a card to vote out here and it bugs me for that. And I think a lot of people like it here that have very similar political beliefs to me, but they don't, we don't like it for different reasons. Okay. Uh, Alan, you have George Santos questions. You have other notes. Do you want to? I do. All right. All right. So, so the George Santos story, which I assume you've been following the, the newly elected congressman from New York, Long Island, right? Neurosurgeon <laughs> to the stars. Right. Exactly. That. Survivor himself, actually. He created a cure for cancer. Yes, yes. Right. We're yes. so George, lucky to have him in George, the house. George dog Sant- rescue, which I'm sure is near and dear to your heart. You know. Oh, George, yeah, so. absolutely. That's where I got That's where I got my little poodle. <laughs> he actually he- only, he's found the most Exonerated. beautiful purebred rescues yeah that's where prosciutto came from a lot of people don't um, all right a lot of people don't know, don't know this but george santos did 9-11 <laughs> wow wow that's crazy because his mom both did and didn't die then it's it's, it's true it's true it's the people that work for him wow. also it's, it's pretty wild well, this is yeah. what happens right. when you grow up as 9-11 being the formative event in your childhood this is what happens you, and yeah. yeah yeah so if <laughs> you have to make jokes about I mean, it to cope uh. <laughs> That's why I have a meme page. Yep. As someone who covers Congress, I if I don't make fun of it, I think yeah. I would lose my mind. Yeah. Yeah. People who take it seriously, it's like, look, we're going to keep funding the military. Everyone <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Yeah. Okay? yeah, the Yemenis are going <laughs> to die. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. oh, oh, my God. God. All right, all right. So back to my question. So yeah. the New York Times has a uh, podcast, The Daily, I listen to. And mm-hmm. uh, today they were talking about Santos. And the question came up, why didn't we know about all this stuff before the election? Voters could have actually used this information to determine who they were going to vote for. And essentially, they kind of caveated. They were like, well, it's because, you know, local reporting is, doesn't exist anymore. Even though we're the New York Times, we don't report on New York. We're a national um, reporting enterprise. Yeah, they were what like, the, po- the, opposing, the, opponent, the opponent party does research. Why would we do yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's oppo research. That's all we use. We don't actually report. And then they were like, they hand that to us and we double check it. It's like, what? Yeah. (laughs) So thoughts. I'll just leave it there for you. Well, so there are actually multiple great Long Island papers slash websites that Mm. have been totally stripped down to nothing. Newsday is one of them. Yeah. And they don't... They're mostly just AP and Reuters wires, and and they're not funded to that extent. I it, there is a movement in Congress, although I'm not really sure that after this episode anyone should feel confident about anything <laughs> passing. So you know, Fair. Uh, but there's movement in Congress to enact some sort of re- legislation that would uh, kind of hold Google accountable for the downfall of local journalism it would require i i need to look back at the bill itself but it would require them to kind of stop taking the same kind of ad dollars and you know how when you'll click on something that you've googled that's just a news story and it'll say amp in the in the link title um that's a sign that google is making the advertising money from what you're looking at and not at least that's my understanding of it, that it, it it would impact a lot of how Google profits from news and it would try to help benefit, especially local outlets and like encourage Google to promote them. There are efforts to change it. 
are, are any of those efforts going to work? I, uh, You're telling me it's going to take an act of Congress to fix the ability of local news to not be dominated by the... the yeah. By BuzzFeed, essentially. Right. Bob Iger was talking about this with John Stewart on his podcast. And he said, I've looked into this a lot. I would love to figure out a way to make local journalism profitable or not such a money pit that it would be worth some losses. And I haven't gotten there yet. So I don't know if there are efforts to get there by people besides Bob Iger, who are media mind that could maybe do something. But realistically, any of those people would want to turn local news into Fox News right, or CNN and make it all just really inflammatory and aggressive when it's just stories about traffic and weather and like (laughs) minor local crime. And or what's that Christian organization that owns like all the local networks where they all had that. There's that thing. Sinclair. Sinclair. Yeah. yeah. Are they Christian? Yeah. Are they just conservative? Yep. Okay. Uh, Alan, do you have more? Yeah. Oh, wait. So given also that like all of those, every network, every major outlet is owned by people with individual interests who are, looking to make a lot of money and local news is just not making money unless you're someone who's capable of buying up an entire region of the country's local networks and then putting them all on the same like plan for coverage and Mm -hmm. how they operate and all of those things. I just don't, I don't see it happening. So I think we're entering a rough time for unless our tastes change, right? Like with, I mean, with podcasting being as popular and people getting their news from a lot of different sources, maybe they could be more because i mean it all comes down to our taste right like i don't care for the i'm expecting my news to be this level of entertainment and local can't afford to staff that so we'll just pay attention to national so like if our tastes can calm back down maybe maybe that i mean short of an act of congress that would be it right like just there's the only other thing i can think of is that I know a lot of journalists and they all pretty much feel the same way, which is I hate working for big or small outlets because I'm operating with their rhetorical slant and I can't diverge from that. And I'm exhausted by just continuing in this really toxic cycle of just keeping the continuing dividing people. So there are in, there is a generation of individual journalists who have repeatedly brought up just in casual conversation to me. I think I'm going to start my own outlet at some point. I'm just going to find a cool investor and see if I can try and do my own thing or create my own show. So I think that independent media is coming, but it's still going to be in some way corporately funded. Yeah. Yeah. They'll all be, it'll be like YouTubers. Yeah. That's always the problem though, is the profit motive, right? So what I think what like the, Fox News is in the MSNBCs of the world figured out was they could make more money by skewing to a certain side of, of the audience, right? And and that's just sort of dominated our news cycle ever since. And even with the proliferation of podcasts and there's a million different places you can get news from, it seems like all that does is just silo people more because mm-hmm. they can just like find their little mm-hmm. niche, you know, and just kind of go yeah. down that rabbit hole even further. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Because what? Reading things that you disagree with (laughs) and recognizing that there's going to be no resolution to any of the conflicts that are presented in what you're reading is uncomfortable. (laughs) And 
why would the American people want to make themselves more uncomfortable for no reason? Our listeners like it. Yeah, no, it's kind of fun. It's like picking out a sky. I like it too. I like it too. It's like, it's like, I don't feel this way like in August, but in like May and June when the mosquitoes come back, I'm like, oh, I love scratching bug bites. I know nobody agrees with me, but it's like that first five bug bites of the year. I'm like, this is kind of nice. That feels good for five minutes. And then, you know. I think you're alone on that. I, I, don't, I know. I, yeah, I don't know another person. I don't, I don't know. But that's how it yeah. feels to read that's the other the Kevin side. Thing. That's the Kevin thing. I, maybe I'm the Kevin. I'm in all yellow. Okay. Um, I've got a. We, so we like to ask this question of everybody that comes on the show. Alan, is it okay to go into that? Can you, I just ask two more questions? Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I read some of your most recent articles. You had an article about Elon when he posted that poll about whether he should step down from CEO at, at Twitter. Um, you mentioned Elon earlier. What are your thoughts of, of him and what he's doing over there at Twitter? Um, I can't tell if he's blowing it. I know, right? <laughs> I really, I can't tell. I it's think hard to it, tell. It, it's really chaotic. Um, and I get that he's chaotic. Yeah. And it seems like he sort of thrives in chaos. Chaos so. has, has worked for him, yeah. But like the right. rule, the number so, one rule of Twitter is don't be the main character of Twitter. And ever since he bought Twitter, he's like, hi, it's me. I'm the main character of Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, 90 days. <laughs> I'm the problem. It's me. I, yeah. I think he's got really big. My wife left me and I'm not over it. energy. <laughs> and I think that ever since Grimes left, I think he thought she was wacky enough for him. And then it didn't work out. And now he's just got this like, I'm, I'm still not over it vibe and he needs the attention from strangers. Because that is a real thing. And he has the Bruce Wayne money to fucking do it. Yeah. Oh, wow. I actually That's actually a really that, good take. Yeah. I have not heard that position I, before. I, I think he's just like... He's compensating. I yeah. I, I, <laughs> and and it's causing him to not necessarily do everything the way he should be, which is kind of... Un- you sh- I, I was hoping that he would approach Twitter as something completely unemotional. And if you yeah. want to be silly and troll people occasionally, fine. I don't care. Yeah. Like That's Twitter. Right. It's fine. But right. you're also in this position of power and authority and you have this opportunity to make it make a send a cool message about free speech right but instead he's just sort of being T- made it polarized kind of yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 thanks for right, like, the free speech polarizing she's not coming back it's gone yeah. she's not coming back <laughs> it's over <laughs> done just move on man yeah. All right, I have one more. So you wrote up an article about the uh, Herschel Walker Saturday Night Live skit, which, by the way, I had not even seen that before I read your article. I don't know how I missed that. I, I paid pretty close attention to that stuff, but that was pretty funny. I, I thought, yeah. what, what was your take on that whole thing? Uh, on the, the Saturday Night Live or, skit? Well, both, both the real Herschel life Walker IRL and and the sketch as a reflection. I think, of it. My, well, I, to me, his concession speech sort of shows how spot on SNL's take was mm-hmm. because he literally kicked off his speech with like, I just want to apologize to my wife, Judy. God. <laughs> Judy's had a rough few weeks and you know, she's just, she's pretty upset and everyone's <laughs> standing around like you just lost the most expensive campaign this cycle. And you're just like, I guess apologizing. <laughs> and then so many goes, people's yeah, sorry money. to the donors. Sorry to the donors. Yeah, we tried. <laughs> so he's just absurd. I think we should have checked if he had CTE. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, that seems pretty it's clear. A, I, he's, I thought he was an embarrassment. And he, he and Mehmet Oz 
<laughs> are two of the biggest reasons why Mitch McConnell is going to be very deeply involved behind the scenes in candidate selection yeah. this cycle. Because this this is basically, in 2012, everyone right before the midterms was talking about Mitch McConnell is going to retake the Senate, and he didn't. Because there was Todd Akin and that lady who was a witch, oh. and, and all of the, oh, I forgot about the, the witch lady. Yeah, that, yeah, that Christine yeah. O'Donnell. I, yeah. I just which was the first thing that came oh to my, my mind, God. not her actual name. <laughs> um, but he said after that, "No, I will get involved. I won't let those candidates happen again." And then he retook the Senate in 2014 by an, with nine seats. Hmm. He wow. crushed it in 2014. Now he. He didn't have the Trump factor then. We'll see how he operates now. But behind the scenes, he is going to be very active in preventing a Herschel Walker type from happening again. Because Herschel Walker was, I, I just, I don't think he knew where he was no. half the time. And quite frankly, I don't know that John Fetterman fully knew where no. he was. No. But, <laughs> but, but, but were you surprised by how close that race was in Georgia, given all that? Um, No, not fully, because they have a pretty active Republican base. I actually think that Georgia is a red state oh, yeah. with bad candidates. Yeah. Yeah. And they've, they've, Brian I mean, if you look Kemp, at the governor's race, that's pretty clear. Brian Kemp spent his first term breaking with Trump, but passing one of the most extreme abortion bills in the country. He kept the country, er, he kept the state open after COVID hit and did not become some inflammatory figure in the media like DeSantis. He just kept his cool. Everything went fine or pretty fairly smoothly. He didn't have some insane number of deaths. And then he, after the 2020 election, stood by Brad Raffensperger as he fought back Trump's efforts to overturn the election. It, the, the state likes him. He, Stacey Abrams didn't have a shot. Maybe he it, should be Speaker of the House. I'm just oh, saying. Yeah. yeah. Right. I uh, know. George Santos. George <laughs> oh, yeah. Santos that's that's clearly. Yeah, yeah, Why yeah. not? Yeah. Somebody it's, should. Obviously. One person should. Why not? I mean, if you're going to do 100 of these. <laughs> uh, so th we have a question we like to ask everybody that comes on here. Um, so it's fine if you got to take a minute to do it. It doesn't also have to be the dumbest thing. Just the first one that comes to mind. What is the dumbest thing you've ever done? Oh, boy. <laughs> Now I'm going to have to tell my parents not to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> um, we definitely want God, that one. The dumbest thing, dumbest thing I've ever done. Um, that's so difficult. Um, Take a breather. It's fine. Yeah. Because mm. I'm going to edit to whenever you talk. I'm going to leave the part of it. Yeah, parents, no, though. that's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, Something at, at, at Fox. Ooh, I think I we've really stumped her. Yeah, I don't think I've done anything that bad at Fox. Like, I, Fox was very low key for me. Like, I, I was an intern there, and I was really young. Um, oh, the dumbest thing I've ever done was I was a sixteen-year-old intern at Fox News. I was part of this coalition of high schoolers that they employed during the uh, winter and spring when they didn't have college students, and. <laughs> Um, like during spring I break and Christmas everyone, break, like that time. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. And so I was in the Fox and Friends green room, and someone was talking about being old, and I was like, "Well, wait, how old are you?" And 
he said, oh, I'm 65. And I was like, geez, you're really <laughs> And it turned out that that was like, like a former governor of somewhere. Oh my God. I had no idea who they were. And like, you're, you're like, you're supposed to be why retired. Why would I say that to a stranger? Yeah, right. <laughs> why did I need to comment on it? I, no one asked me. <laughs> You know what? That's a great answer. Yeah, that was a great, a great answer. answer. Yeah. So the, the Fox yeah. News thing, that's what that's, I... So that's what I nice. figured helps nice. is like, it's such a vague question. Just giving a geographical space, the memories come out of the filing cabinet. That's the way it works for me. Right, right. Yeah. Um, this was so much fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. If you guys ever want to have me again, Prosciutto loved it. <laughs> yeah, Prosciutto's been <laughs> he great. He looks very happy. We'll get you back on for like, when you're talking about candidate selection and all that, it's like, I'm sure there's a lot more to talk yeah, about yeah. that kind of stuff. So Oh yeah, you. for sure. This is... I'm very excited for 24. We are, it's already started. Oh, but, yeah, 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 yes, I know. The writing's on the wall for a bananas next two years, at least year and a half. Yeah. All right. It's going to be crazy. All right. Well, Democracy is going to be just fine. <laughs> Everything's going to be great. You know what? I'll take that. I'll take that. All Thanks right. so much for coming yeah. on the show. It was fun. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Bye, prosciutto. She was great. Yeah. Once the laptop thing was uh, brought up, I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. All right, man. We'll drive safe. Cheers. Cheers. That was fun. Y'all let me in this damn house. Oh, how about that? Come in the name of peace. L-M-F-A-O. Is Kevin McCarthy a moron? And if so, why? Why would you say something that stupid? I come without explanations or solutions. I'm a very sexy lady. Cat turd. (laughs) How great an anti-American Marxist. Ted Cruz, go fuck yourself. Read the news. God bless the United States. (laughs) Now this is podcasting.